nine rounds of golf for $90? Yep. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available now at garagelogic.com. As a golf passport card holder, you're entitled to nine 18 whole rounds of golf for just one low price of $90. Supplies are limited, so just go to garagelogic.com and type keyword passport. A $300 golf value for just 90 bucks. Now you got it. GarageLogic.com. Keyword passport. That's where Tom Kelly told me I was trying too hard. Know your limitations. Know your limitations, Rook. I'm rolling, bro. Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 989. <laughs> December 28th, 2022. 47 degrees on this day, not long ago, 2013. 27 below in 1880. And on this day. Today is just. We're done already? Wow, we're done. That's a short show. In 1982, we had a foot of snow. Hmm. Uh, I and remember that. From, I, I was a newspaper. Thir, route 39137. 1982. Craig Harrison was my supervisor. That's fantastic. Yep. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Chris Reavers manning Technology Corner. Kenny Olson from the Krabby Coffee Shop, John Hyde in the newsroom, and of course, the rookie. Hi, Tony. Here is your flashlight king, <laughs> fireworks commissioner, and the keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushir. Yesterday, Frank Incense and Myrrh. Frankincense and gold frankincense and myrrh came up. Yeah. How do you spell myrrh? I looked it up. It's M Y R R H. I didn't know there was an H on it. And Dale writes myrrh and frankincense were used for embalming. Many would say that these gifts were prophetic signs of Jesus' crucifixion. That's not, that's plausible, but uh, most of my uh, searching for the definition of myrrh still comes up with a uh, sweet, smelling uh, resin, uh, some sort of ointment. that, And I couldn't find anything about how it was used for food. Okay, okay, time out. Let's stop time. Serious question, not meant to be funny. How much of this stuff is made up? So <laughs> why, would, why would three wise men bring gold, frankincense? I know it's my faith and I'm supposed to believe well, it. Well, but- then you look at it symbolically. The gold was the promise of... Of uh, spiritual wealth, the uh, frankincense was uh, the uh, somber occasion. I don't give a crap. I, I'm not really. He's he reeled in a big one. Joe is the giving symbolic, us his, theo- his theological reason. Yes, the symbolic but. situation of gold means uh, prosperity, and we hope you prosperitize. And the frankincense was the. Uh, Future Halloween of Frankenstein. It was a monster that would run and myrrh was hope just. You rot in hell. <laughs> I hope he didn't make a lot of. Uh, I'm no, sorry, I, I Dale. Really, I brought up your email. I really I'm did. Sorry. That was a serious question. Well, uh, no, how, it wasn't. How much was enhanced to make a better story? I'm not I'm talking saying. to you about this. Okay. What was the stuff we put in the. Uh, at church? Is that myrrh? That's, That's incense. That's incense. Oh, we had some okay. good incense on Christmas Eve. I love when they in the old days they had the thing. Oh yeah, and clang, walk it around. Clang. You got to do three, yep. in threes. Clang, yep. clang, clang. Really? Clang. I didn't know that. So good. Senator Dave Osmick, who's going to be leaving for private citizenry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he left less messages last week and this week, 
regarding a, a uh, monument to Marjorie Johnson. He said, I'll keep on this even after I'm a private citizen on January 1. And he's added his uh, pro- uh, personal email to this chain so we can get a hold of him. And uh, he's on it, and we thank him. Oh, good. And he's going to continue that. Thank you, uh, Senator, for your... Uh, look at that. He served, now he's done. No. He doesn't need to be a he lifer. He served, and he's still serving. But he's going to be done then. Yesterday, also, this phenomenal story about uh, McAllister, not McAllister, uh, Hamlin, which is, uh, in my estimation, is officially not even a, a school. Okay. Uh, they're firing some art teacher because a student complained that a picture of Muhammad was shown, even though the teacher gave advance warning. If you find this offensive, you can leave the classroom and what have you. And they still can this guy. And we learned they have what? One of their administrators is the vice president for excellence in inclusion. Okay. There is no such thing. That's entirely made up. <laughs> oh. And we also learned, and I, I, I'm bringing this up for a reason that I find uh, very interesting. Okay. We also learned that the library there was named for Bush. Yeah. And, and, and the assumption was, your assumption incorrectly, was President Bush? No. Right. Augie Bush. And then uh, you looked up Bush, and nobody came up with the answer, who the guy oh, really... I, I, I Johnny, did. Johnny did yesterday. What did you come up with? A.G. A. Bush. A.G. Bush, but you had no background on him. No, just that he was a benefactor for the college. Right. Kind of like well, a half-ass effort, huh, John? Well, all I, the way from yeah. South Africa, <laughs> from Tom Lyman... Uh-huh. No. came a link for me to pursue to find out just who was Archibald Granville Bush. Now I would like wow. to know. And I'm going to bring this up for a reason. Okay. I'm going to see, and it's going to be a test here I'm, at the I'm University listening. of Garage Logic. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a question. I'll try to phrase it in a way that makes sense, but I'm going to ask you a question about essentially why am I bringing this up? All right. All right. The man who helped make possible the Bush Science Center was not a scientist, but but he did drive innovation. Born in 1887, Bush grew up on a 240 acre farm near Granite Falls, Minnesota. He worked hard, but discontentedly afflicted with hay fever and a desire to make a fortune in the larger world. Yeah. Uh, at 21, with only an eighth-grade education and an overwhelming desire for the things that other people had, <clears throat> Bush moved to the Duluth area and took a two-dollar-a-day job building piers, docks. Okay. Soon, he'd saved enough money to enroll in the Duluth Business University. Studying day and night, he graduated in four months rather than the usual six. It's tremendously important for a young man to save money, Bush said in an Orlando Sentinel interview in 1959. Save and invest, then you're ready for opportunity when it comes. In 1909, Bush signed on as an assistant bookkeeper at Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company. So he was uh, 13 plus 9 is 22. He signed on at 3M at a weekly salary of $11.55. The fledgling company, which began as a mining venture, was making sandpaper products when Bush joined it. The union between A.G. Bush and 3M turned out to be fruitful and long-lasting. He remained with the company for 60 years. During the first four decades, he served in progressive order, salesman, sales manager, company director, vice president, 
general sales manager, director of sales, and executive vice president. Wow. From 1949 until his death in 1966, Bush was chairman of the executive committee. Meanwhile, 3M's fortune skyrocketed thanks to its production of waterproof sandpaper, masking tape, scotch tape, and other innovations. A.G. Bush, a master of thrift as well as a keen-eyed investor, began buying 3M stock as early and as often as he could. He bought his first shares for 45 cents apiece. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. By 1959, he owned about $80 million worth of 3M stock. Holy. Think wow. of that in terms what of year? 1959 money. What did you just say? 1959. Wow. While his wife, Edith, held shares worth approximately $35 million. Oof. Wealth should she be. She got in on it too, huh? Yep. Wealth should be used for the benefit of all humanity, Bush said in a 1959 Florida Magazine article. He and Edith practiced what he preached, particularly after they began visiting Winter Park in 1949. I'm entirely familiar with Winter I, Park. I had him in Naples because I mind. stayed there many years when the twins were still training in Orlando. We would stay in Winter Park, hmm. which is just a really neat little town. I thought you said you? it was a dump. Winter Park? Or are you saying where the, the twins actually... The stadium was a dump. Oh, okay. Is gotcha. that where you took the deluxe Pinto? Yeah. Winter <laughs> Park and bought a home as a reps, as a respite for Minnesota winters. Before long, Bush was serving on the board of Rollins in Winter Park Memorial Hospital and donating generously to both, as well as to the First Baptist Church of Winter Park. Edith, a playwright and patron of the arts, founded the Edith Bush Theater. Wow, on Cleveland Avenue. At Lock Haven, now the Orlando Repertory Theater. She also established the Edith Bush Charitable Foundation, which supports worthy projects in Central Florida and contributed to the Bush Science Center redesign. Uh, Rollins College is in Winter Park. Science should be a major part of a liberal education, he said in 1965. And uh, Once again, uh, a la the show with Stephen... Um, and uh, John, I feel like I'm just absolutely nothing. I feel like I've my life is a complete farce. Archibald Granville Bush was a big, vital, keen, energetic, restless man with a heartwarming twinkle in his eye. Recalled former pres- uh, former Rollins President Hugh McKean at the 1969 dedication of the Bush Science Center three years after Bush's death. He thought everything and everyone should be ordered and purposeful. He should be remembered as he was. He was a far more impressive in person than any myth that might become his future. And he apparently is the fellow that's responsible for the uh, library at Hamlin. Well, John, thank you for that wow. research. I appreciate all the why did I, that why, glad I did that. Why did I bring this up? Well, because you, you have think a of yesterday's story. story. Think of yesterday's story. Um, why did I bring this up? Hmm. Because he is real, he started on a farm, a self-made millionaire because he had integrity and he didn't cut corners. You're getting closer. He's the complete opposite of the failed academy. Nothing was given to him. There you have it. He is exactly who the failed academy has turned their backs on. Yep. Starting with the fact that he's white. Right. Starting with the fact that he believed in competition, entrepreneurship, achievement, achievement, came uh, from came from nothing, right? Went to everything. He is exactly who the failed academy turned their back on. 
Who will be the Archibald Granville Bush of the future? Any of these kids getting a worthless meaning God, degree? No. Hey, are you writing this week? Yeah. There's your column. No. But yes. Don't interrupt me. Okay, I, my, I'm sorry. My chain of thought is yes. very fragile. Very, uh, they're, they're, <laughs> it's the opposite of what they're preaching. He's the opposite of what's taking place in the failed academy. That's true. The opposite. And they don't even see that. They don't even know it. Does that kid, the the the, the Muslim kid that was upset by the, does he know? It's a he. It's a she. She. I'm sorry. Does she know who's named after that library? Does she know of the history? Not. Of course not. No. Of course not. Then. Hmm. And how long before someone does a deep dive into A.G. Oh, Bush and no, found out he no. was no. unkind to a waiter in 1942? Change it. Change it. <laughs> Everything it's, must go. It's the Ahmed Abdullahi Library. You're not far off. Mm. Wow, that's really sad. It struck me when I was reading this that, wait a minute, hold up. Mm -hmm. Something ain't right. Something ain't right. The A.G. Bushes will become fewer and farther between. They won't disappear, but... They'll become fewer and farther between. Who will be making the money? Who's who's gonna? Not this fruitcake that bitched about the picture of Mohammed. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, the government just has all the money. That's where it comes from now. Mm -hmm. We just get it from the government. Well, that's that's, that's a fantastic. good. That's a really good catch. That's, that's a, a that's, that's a, a really good catch. That's fantastic. I, uh, I did look up Joe the eighty-five million, the equivalent today. Yeah. Uh, he was worth eight hundred seventy-one million. Well, he damn point. near was a billionaire. Wow! Damn near, damn from near. starting the, out buying shares of 3M for forty-five cents. Under the radar, you never hear about the Bush family in Minnesota. Oh yeah, you do. You, the Bush Library at Hamlin. I'm sure there's other Edith no, Bush no, Theater. But I, they're not like Cargills. Or, well, but he died in, in 1966, okay. and I'm sure that at the time of his death, he might have been a more well-known figure in the public's eye. But I think okay. what Rook's trying to I say is... I had never heard of him until yesterday. Right. His descendants, though, really didn't kind of take that and run with it. Well, I don't. it doesn't mention in that bio if he even had kids. Oh, okay. I don't know if he did. No, I'm going to look. Archibald, what's his name? Andy? Archie? Archibald. Archibald Granville Bush. Born on a farm in... Uh, I believe what did that, I say? Granite Falls, Minnesota. Yeah, there was a, a Rook, there was some agriculture background, I believe. No, no, Navy not right beans. now. Not right now. Navy. Not right now. Not right now. There there is a Bush Foundation that still is at work. Yeah. Uh, oh that they there you started. Go. Yeah. yeah. Does it have tie does that tie, have ties to Hamlin as well, John? Um, it just says the foundation invests in great ideas and the people who power them. Well, that wouldn't be Hamlin. Right. I was gonna say <laughs> Hamlin, you got your library, and that's about all you'll ever see of the Bush Foundation if they got their heads on straight. Because you are nothing. You are a failed, worthless academy. He used part of his estimated $200 million fortune to establish the Bush Foundation in 53, with the remainder of his fortune going to the foundation upon his death. That's why his kids are mad. Mm. You don't know that he has kids. <laughs> that's why his kids are like, damn it. Grandpa, what'd you do? Uh, you did what? He's buried in Oakland Cemetery in St. Paul. Really? Yes. Okay, I was telling Reavers, I would have told you, but you never get here. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I was telling Reavers that 
we have to make a decision about the future of this show. Okay. Uh, You're getting serious on me. I don't like that. Well, well, I think it's well established that we're we chronicle the mystery pretty well. Yep. But we're having a hard time convincing people to do anything about it, to push back. And it struck me this morning, shockingly, the papers were on time. It struck me this morning that virtually everything I looked at uh, smacked of a country that I'm unfamiliar with, that that isn't GL. Everything in the newspaper today? Everything. Well, okay. the front page especially. Yes. I, I noticed immediately when I looked at the front page. Uh, I'll take you through the front page, and then I'll take you through the front page of the Metro. This is just in the Minneapolis paper. And the decision I have to make is we might have to make some sort of 90-degree turn here. Uh, and change the very nature of the show. Uh, Embrace the mystery? No. no. <laughs> ignore it? Ignore it. What? And maybe just become more... No. What? Yeah, but when you read when... Uh, what was last... See, I'm running out of time chronologically to see any any of these problems solved. Because they're just fact, getting worse. If, in fact, they will ever be solved. I'm running out of time to see them solved. Yeah, but last week, you're bringing awareness to what was the uh, the, uh, the the word list that we couldn't use. We can't be Americans. We can't be, I forget what it was. That was it. Stanford. Right? Stanford. Stanford. Yeah, that's Stanford news. That needs to, nobody else is doing uh, but, it. But, but to what end did that, that didn't accomplish anything. The, the people listening are on board. Right. They're, you're preaching to the choir. But they still like to hear that that stuff is out there. Well, I mean, I looked at this. The Give me an example. The play story across the top of today's Star Tribune. Carter, Melvin Carter, the mayor of St. Paul, seeks 1% sales tax for streets and parks. And it just occurred to me, no. And that he thinks that'll raise a billion in about 10 years and they can fix streets. And, and you know that'll go elsewhere. But... That's what property taxes are supposed to be for. That's yeah. the main. That's the main reason for property. But at least taxes. those aren't going up. Right? They're going up fifteen percent. <laughs> oh, they are. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was mean, Chris. I know. I'm sorry. But Joe, the average voter, the average citizen, and I'm just going to take St. Paul as an example. None of this is surprising to them. None of this is out of uh, of the realm of, of of normal to them. But it it puzzles me why people just take it. Okay. Because I think people feel helpless. Seriously, I do. No, here's the turning point. Here's the turning point for St. Paul. Uh, Bleep St. Paul. I need a turning point for this show. I know, but even in just a, a side note, in St. Paul, it is people are going to be awakened because the baby boomers who are going to be on fixed incomes can't support 15% property tax increase. And the, and the administration's answer to that will be not to care. They'll expect those people to sell their homes. Mm-hmm. And the other part that St. Paul Who's and Minneapolis isn't, aren't realizing, with these vacancy rates that are continuing to climb, your tax, pay, tax base is disintegrating. 
Well, and if you don't think that buck's getting pa- passed on to the homeowner, right. you're out of your mind. Plus, who is going to buy that starter home that now is $350,000 when you just graduated from college and you're getting an $80,000 job with $200,000 in loans? The It, it can't... The center is well, not this, holding. This, this uh, you know, just as an aside, you can't build these houses on River Boulevard fast enough. Who are these people? Or new apartments. There's apartments everywhere on University Avenue, uh, mm-hmm. all the way down I'm to— talking, Did I say University Avenue? No. Uh, on you said Mississippi. Mississippi River Boulevard, million-dollar homes are, are waiting to be—they're just in line being built. Right. Right. Now, well, what are those the, trust fund people? I don't know. The, the northern suburbs are the same way. Uh, there's literally building, and the houses are five, six, seven hundred thousand dollar houses, and people are moving in. So I don't know what they're doing for a living. But well, that was story number one. Carter seeks one percent sales tax for streets and parks. Well, and I'm I'm just I'm hoarse from telling people no that. That's what your property taxes were supposed to do. To answer your previous question, But the Joe, government has grown so large. Thank you. And the Carter's administration has grown so preposterously large and inefficient, incompetent, all with jobs not able to be measured for any achievement or success. It's costing the citizens of St. Paul a fortune just to fund that. Because there was a story, I know it didn't come up on the show, but I know that we all saw it, about how much money you can make in this state by not... Working. I have that coming up. Oh, okay, good. Second story, one airline blame for most of airport chaos. That would be Southwest. And I thought, we didn't used to see such utter corporate failure. Yes. Uh, it, it's, now, I grant you, there's been some really, really uh, problematic weather and what have you, but America prided itself on things like this working. And, and again, I, I'm not downplaying the Trump, but why just Southwest was having so many problems? Sun Country wasn't having these problems. United wasn't having these problems. Delta right. wasn't having these problems. Allegiant wasn't having these problems. Spirit wasn't having these problems. Southwest, uh, corporately, just melted imploded. down. Imploded. They imploded. imploded. Yeah. yeah, they did. And they left... Think about that. Think if, if, when you think about that, Southwest as a corporation canceling all those flights. Yes, they had the revenue, but those are people's lives, and they just said, "We don't care." Well, I don't know what they said, but they're, they're they they failed their purpose. That's in A. G. Bush's day. Companies didn't <laughs> fail their purpose. You're right. Next story. St. Paul will require ethnic studies class. <laughs> okay. So I looked at this. Hey, what do we got? Class was in session at Johnson Senior High in St. Paul, and as a guest speaker, waited to be introduced, there were debts to be acknowledged. Oh, no. The East Side School stands on the ancestral land of Native people, teacher Cassandra Shepard told students. And the Americas, she reminded them, was built on slave labor. To both the indigenous and African forebears, we commit to the continued struggle for liberation and reparation 
for it's through this and through freedom and justice that we truly give honor, Shepard said. Okay, uh, she's from the failed academy. Yep. She's perpetuating it. And these kids at Johnson aren't learning anything. And they end up in a group of people at Nordstrom's at the Mall of America. And they have no thinking discipline. They have no moral skills. They have no ethic responsibility. And then one of them ends up getting shot. With that, today's lesson in critical ethics studies. Critical? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh if only it were ethics studies. With that, the day's lesson in critical ethnic studies was underway. An opportunity for students of all races and cultures to better understand themselves and their place in the world. And if they came away empowered, advocates say all the better. So they're going to have critical ethnic studies uh, in the school. Never mind that these kids are hard-pressed to even read and write. Right. That's a new graduation requirement. For the class of 2025 in St. Paul Public Schools, at Johnson High School, Principal Jamil Payton sees it as another way to give voice to students at school with a leadership program built on the premise that adults should not do for the students what students can do for themselves. D developed by district teachers and graduates, the course is designed to be student-centered and driven, and Mua Kong Vu, the district's ethnic studies coordinator, uh, conversation is key, he said, with students not only exploring their own identities, but confronting any unconscious biases they may have about others. And it goes on and on and on and on. Uh, if you took the land from natives, then give it back and just shut up. Either that or just shut up. But then I, what will I complain about? I predict to you, by the way, mm -hmm. within two years, two years, Johnson will not have the governor's nickname. Because wow. those governors were white, and uh, Johnson uh, LBJ go, go bad Johnson High School. No, they're named for the governors. <clears throat> uh, the governors. They're named for the governors of the state. Okay. And those governors are all white, and and they'll uh, many of them uh, lived at a time when it, it can be very easy to be critical of them. I predict the name governors will be tossed. <laughs> I really would like to say you're a fool, but you know it, what? You're you're because what we would on. need then is we would need a very diverse uh, uh, cabinet like the one Dayton had pictured with online, where everyone in the photo was white. <laughs> yeah. Next story. It's every story on the front. Every page. story, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. Meal fraud casts Paul over state nonprofits. After reading the news about Feeding Our Future, the donor had a pressing question for Nonoko Sato. How do we know an organization is fraudulent? I don't know who Nonono Sako is. Maybe I'll learn that. Hmm. Nonprofits across Minnesota are facing similar questions because of the Feeding Our Future investigation involving more than $250 million in fraud, the largest pandemic-related fraud investigation in the United States, prosecutors say and one of the largest federal fraud cases in state history. As the legislative session approaches on Jan 3, nonprofits are also bracing for new state regulations in response to the scandal. Sato is the executive director of the Minnesota Council of Nonprofits and said she welcomes strong oversight but worries about new blanket rules for the diverse range of nonprofits. 
Uh, and we, we learn here that uh, these are individuals allegedly doing terrible things, and it is not reflective of our sector, she said. We have over 9,000 nonprofits in Minnesota. 99.9% of us are actually doing really good work and service to our communities. Well, I don't know if I'd accept 99.9% Soto, but I'll, I certainly agree with you that the preponderance of nonprofits are doing what they're supposed to do. Okay. They're being helpful. And, you know, you got walls weighing in on this saying what he's going to do and they're going to have conversations and, and uh, strengthen interagency connections and every bit of boilerplate BS you can come up with. But it, he might feel it's safe now to come outside and address this. Uh, well, he was on uh, the Morning Joe. What's that show called? MSNBC? I don't know. He was on that yesterday talking about uh, voter rights. Was he? Mm-hmm. Uh, or do you know any voters who have been deprived of their rights? I can't say that I do, Joe. Not a one. Mm-hmm. So we're going to uh, we're really going to get tough now. And one of the things Walls wants to do, of course, is hire more staff. Okay. Uh, well, we got a big surplus throw to some do money that. At it. Yeah. I, I, do you see what I'm saying now about how I I just don't really know anymore of what I want to do. <laughs> uh, everything I look I at see. is wrong. I know. That's positive Wednesday. Go to the metro yeah. section. There you go. What do you got locally, Such? County issues land acknowledgement. For the first time, the Hennepin County Board adopted a historic document acknowledging land and water taken from the area's Dakota people. The document, a three-year effort put together by a diverse work group, including Native American County elders, was read to the full board and approved last month. It also cites a plan for today's county institutions to work more closely and reparatively with the Dakota people whose homeland we occupy. Then give it back. Yeah, if you're so... I'm not buying your virtue signaling. You're all full of crap. Bring them off the crummy reservations you sent them to and say, here's your land back. The county can can create transformative partnerships and alliances, convening conversations to explore possibilities, creating increased engagement and consultation with the Native American community. Absolute gibberish. Meaningless. Organizing events and workshops on indigenous history, culture, and contemporary issues, and looking at the potential for developing land and water-based projects together. Uh, That goes on and on to say, look at how important we are. Wah, 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 wah. I just... uh, Yeah, I just don't know. What you still have to. You st- I don't have. No. To. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you, <laughs> you got do. To. You are the anointed one. <laughs> no, you I don't the... have to. Hey, it ain't easy being the mayor. Right. Well, this is ridiculous. We we live in a ridiculous state, and it's true uh, in every state, but to much lesser degrees in other states. I bet Minnesota is the leading effed up state in the country. <laughs> oh, we can't outdo okay. California. Yeah, we're right there. Serious. Not. This is a serious scenario. When you present this to the CP, I don't. How, how, I don't. How, so there's your answer. I, was I don't. Say, how's that working out? I don't. How, how does she dismiss it or justify it? Uh, I don't. I don't bring she, this up. I don't bring it up. Yeah, but she knows. That's this, my answer. But she knows this is <laughs> happening. 
She knows property taxes are going up 15%. Doesn't care. Wow. I'm going to have to have a talk with her. Oh, good luck with that. Yeah. Car jacked in broad daylight. It'll turn into me uh, agreeing with her ripping Joe is what it'll turn into. She's like Mike Cerisi. Car jacked in broad daylight. Didn't didn't dent her thinking. I can't believe that. I can't believe that. Another story. Okay. (laughs) Walls details proposal for more oversight in wake of meal fraud. So we're not only worried about the nonprofits, we don't want to cast a poor light on them. They, they can become victims in this because they might be poorly thought of. Now we have walls saying, I, I think it's safe for me to peek my head about outside the door now and address this food fraud. Governor Walls has proposed adding an inspector general to the Minnesota Department of Education and spending more money on grant oversight, audits, and fraud <laughs> investigation in the aftermath of the Feeding Our Future scandal. Because, you know, the Department of Education doesn't have enough people. Right. Of course not. The fraud prevention plan that Walls debuted Tuesday was the DFL governor's first detailed outline of how he aims to change state government in response to one of the largest federal fraud cases in Minnesota history. We need to protect taxpayers' dollars, Walls said. You phony hypocrite. (laughs) You've got $17.6 billion of taxpayer dollars that you're not protecting. It's not yours. We need to protect taxpayer dollars, Walls said in a statement. This plan will help ensure that state government works as efficiently and effectively as possible to improve the lives of Minnesotans. I don't want you to improve my life. Give me my money back and shut the hell up. Yep. To the lives of Minnesotans while creating new tools. You gotta have some tools. Tools, yep. To catch fraudsters and hold them accountable. Mm. Walls told state officials earlier this year to review federal grant programs and come up with ways to improve state oversight. His four part plan this week includes increasing staff in six state agencies to help manage and oversee <laughs> grants, including the new Education Department Inspector General. Inspector Handicapper General? He also proposed devoting resources to the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension to track and investigate fraud allegations related to... Uh, what the hell does it say? Uh, related to state-administered grants, along with additional auditors for the Minnesota Department of Management and Budget's internal controls team. But you got all these people, Walls, and they all failed miserably because these were Somalis, and you've taken so many ethics, so many uh, excellence and inclusion seminars, you're all choking to death on your own putrid hypocrisy. You knew who damn well who was stealing the money, and he didn't do anything about it. He was shocked, though, Joe. Shocked. He didn't announce immediately how many staffers he wants to add or how much the changes would cost. He'll release the full budget proposal for the next two years in January. Hmm. I can't go on. It's all the same. It's all the same rigmarole. We're so poorly led... And yet, 
the public image of the state is that we're well-led. When you look at the state of Minnesota through the garage logic lens, it couldn't be a worse place. I know, but... When you look at it through the happy butterfly lens that, boy, we get to go cross-country skiing and our football team is 13-2 and or whatever the hell they are, we're just a great place to be and we're happy. And and I think to some degree the DFL has that figured out. They take advantage of this, what amounts to being... Minnesota nice? They take advantage of what amounts to being a terribly apathetic dynamic that runs through the genetic core of this state. Yes, you in the back. Can you take it? I'm going to ask first if you can take it. I don't know. Because I have a tweet I'm going to read to you mm-hmm. that was issued three hours ago. Mm-hmm. The who? first one is from Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan. Yep. It is then retweeted with additional comment from your governor, Tim Walz. Sure. <clears throat> Lieutenant Governor Plaguey, Peggy Flanagan. Our state's historic surplus means we have a historic opportunity to lower costs while making equitable investments in paid family and medical leave, health care, child care, education, and affordable housing. We're ready to get this done for Minnesotans. That was retweeted. Governor Walls, this is how we make Minnesota the best state to live, work, and raise a family. I'm excited to work alongside our partners in the legislature to move our state forward. Happy New Year, GLers. Kenny here, and yeah, I know you're already dreaming about getting your motor running next spring. Good thing Moon Motorsports in Monticello has the brands that'll make you the envy of everyone on the highway, and Moon is the largest volume Triumph motorcycle dealer in the state. And right now, Moon has more available Triumph models at than any other point of the year. We're talking retro-styled standards, adventure bikes, muscle cruisers, naked sport, and high-performance sport. Whatever your riding style, Moon has the right Triumph model for you. If you act now, you'll save us on select discounted models and purchase any new motorcycle and receive free winter storage or local delivery. Get over to moonmotorsports.com, check out the inventory, then treat yourself with a visit to the most awe-inspiring motorsports showroom in the region, a true cathedral dedicated to cylinders. Moon Motorsports are BMW, Triumph, Ducati, KTM, Husqvarna, Yamaha, Honda, Polaris, Can-Am, Gas-Gas, and Skidoo dealer. They're on the south side of 94, west of 25 in Monticello. And on the web at moonmotorsports.com. I'm Pre-show. rolling. I'm rolling. Don't mention the I'm rolling. I'm rolling. John, don't mention the what? <laughs> you did it three times. <laughs> you got This me. guy wears many hats. Hey, just listen, not indoors. Joe Suchere. Let's go pre party. Come to work to avoid good. my family. You guys are almost worse. Say, join us <laughs> Tuesday, January 17th, 7 p.m. at the Hopkins, in Hopkins, at the Hopkins Center for the Arts. We're going to be celebrating. Garage Logic's 1,000th podcast celebration. You know, the podcast, the 1,000th might come a day or two before that, but this is the celebration yeah. of the 1,000th mm. yes, podcast. Oh, you're selling it. Tickets are free. Stephen C., John Height, Dylan Height, Rookie with and Reavers. Music, 
It's going to be, and it's just going to be the podcast. We're right. not, we're not going right. to, you know, do a stand-up. Right. And and uh, the tickets are free, but you need a ticket to attend. You don't have to be a town council member. I was just going to point that out. Several people are wondering if they have no, to be a part of the town council. This is open to all no. GLers. Why aren't we charging? First come, first serve. They're only available <laughs> at garagelogic.com, and you do need a, the- a ticket to enter the theater. And they're moving fast. So. Yeah. See ya. We so, are already at 58% capacity. The GLers, these will be gone. So when you email. They're free. When you email after the fact saying, how come I didn't? Well, because it's first come, first serve. So you got to go mm-hmm. to garagelogic.com. You got to register. You will not be allowed into the event unless you have a ticket to the event. There will be a post show gathering at 30 Bales Restaurant right across the street in downtown Hopkins. The event does begin at 7 p.m. Yeah. 7 p.m. And that's a great, off. great venue. I've been really excited. I'm excited. Yep. Uh, here's John Height. <laughs> what are you doing, Rook? What? Does that tickle? <laughs> yeah. Here's John Height in the newsroom. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's come to that, huh? Yes, has it? it has. <laughs> I'm, I'm thoroughly depressed after this show that our well, life is you're over. You're so depressed you were wondering if we were doing the show off the show. I couldn't even pay yeah, attention. We got confused there yes. when we were doing the show. Oh we're on God. the air. That's why in, you want to be part of the town council. Yes. In the news. Oh, in yes. the news, I'm Christopher Glenn. Ooh. Why don't you just be John Hyde and Saturday be the damn news? That was Saturday morning cartoons, John. Those were great, weren't they? Yes, they were. Yeah. If you'd like, it could be Walter Cronkite. Christopher Glenn. St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter, as we've already talked about, announced a proposed 1% sales tax Tuesday. According to a news release from the city, the money would go to investing in improvements to local streets and aging park facilities. The proposed tax increase would generate $984 million, so almost a billion dollars over two decades, according to the city. 738 of that would go to rebuilding and improving roads. The remaining 246 would go to reinvesting in parks and recreation facilities. Now, according to, I'm sorry, pardon me? You want to bet? According to Minnesota statute 279A.99, Minnesota legislature would need to authorize a special law in order for the sales tax to be authorized. St. Paul would need to pass a resolution authorizing the local sales tax before getting legislative approval. The city must put uh, must then put a detailed question about the sales tax on the ballot in the next general election for voter approval. In your opinion, Joe, as a St. Paul resident, would that pass? Probably. Probably. Yep. Yeah. St. Paul police are searching for possible suspects and witnesses after a man was fatally shot overnight in the city's north end neighborhood. The shooting marked the city's 40th homicide investigation of the year. Uh, you might remember the city passed the record number of homicides in one year just after, uh, just over a week ago. Responders went to the 500 block of Lawson Avenue West after getting a 911 call about shots fired just before midnight Tuesday. Police say they found a man not breathing and suffering from an apparent gunshot wound at the scene. And shortly after, medics confirmed he was dead. St. Paul authorities are looking for nearby video surveillance, witnesses, or possible suspects. No details available at this time. Additionally to that, if you have any info, you're asked to call the St. Paul Police Department. Since I still have the tweet up that I read before we took a break, and based on our conversation we had while we weren't recording the show, there are so many people that would agree with that line of thinking from the governor. Absolutely. This is, this is just a tremendous That's thing for this right. state. Absolutely. And I think GLers think a different way. Mm-hmm. Of course they do. 
That and is, some folks are in the middle. That mm-hmm. is just sad. That's just sad. Police have identified a suspect in a shooting that killed two people in a downtown St. Paul Skyway building on Monday, December 12th. We talked about this when it happened, remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin Orio is a 26-year-old man from St. Paul who authorities say is armed and dangerous. If you see him or know where he might be, you're asked to call 911 or the Metro Transit Police tip line at 612-349-7222. Do not approach him. Metro Transit and St. Paul police officers responded to a building at the corner of 5th Street East and Cedar Street at about 8.30 p.m. December 12th after getting a report of shots fired there. Police found two men, an 18-year-old and 21-year-old, suffering from gunshot wounds, both later pronounced dead at Regions Hospital. As of Tuesday, the building where the shooting happened is currently closed for renovations. St. Star Tribune reporting, home sales in the Twin Cities during 2023 are expected to be on par with 2022 despite the ongoing pressure of higher mortgage rates. Analysts and participants in the market say, meanwhile, the price gains will be in line with the national average. Home construction will remain tepid. National Association of Realtors calls 2023 the year of the turning point, although how much things turn remains to be seen. The past year didn't come close to matching record sales during 2021, and home sales in the coming year, they say, will be at least as flat compared with 2022. That makes, though, the Twin Cities actually a standout. Realtor.com predicts Twin Cities metro sales to be down 0.8% year over year for the year coming up. That's pretty good, considering the national sales are expected to be down 14%. A long-running lawsuit challenging Minneapolis's 2040 comprehensive plan is likely to continue after the city on Tuesday vowed to challenge a new ruling from the Minnesota Court of Appeals. In a ruling on Tuesday, the Court of Appeals said Hennepin County District Judge Joseph Klein had relied upon the appropriate state law when he issued his... I got it. I got it. When he issued his ruling blocking the city from implementing its sweeping developmental plan. But it also sent the case back to the judge for further proceedings, say he had not provided enough detail about how he arrived at his legal findings. Later in the day, Minneapolis City Attorney Kristen Anderson issued a statement saying the city plans to appeal to the Supreme Court in Minnesota to ask it conclusively to uphold the 2040 plan. As many holiday travelers and flight personnel still wait to get home today, pressure is increasing on Southwest Airlines to provide solutions for its continuous high volume of cancellations. By about 7 this morning, Minneapolis-St. Paul International counted 34 canceled flights and 14 delayed flights. According to data on Flight Aware, around the same time, 88% of cancellations at the airport here could be attributed to Southwest Across all flights, FlightAware reported Southwest was responsible for 62% of Wednesday morning cancellations. The U.S. Department of Transportation has begun investigating the airline's operations. Officials saying we're past the point of uh, blaming weather for the large number of cancellations. Your true hometown airline, which always gets ripped whenever they're in the news for a, a blip on the screen, has not canceled one flight today. There really? have been some delays, but they have not canceled one flight, hmm. nor, nor did they yesterday. The Supreme Court ruling yesterday that enforcement of the regulation that prohibits the entry of migrants into the country during a public health emergency known as Title 42 must remain in place at least until the court hears arguments next February. The ruling is a victory for several Republican state attorneys general who sued to prevent the enforcement from lapsing earlier this month, claiming that the free flow of migrants into their states would cause serious harm. 
The unsigned decision came down mostly along party lines between justices appointed by Democratic and Republican presidents. But one of the six justices considered conservative, Trump appointee Neil Gorsuch, fiercely dissented, arguing the court had no business ordering the policy to remain in place just because Republicans want President Joe Biden to do so. Gorsuch saying courts should not be in the business of perpetuating administrative edicts designed for one emergency only because elected officials have failed to address a different emergency. Does Sun Country still name planes after lakes? No. That, that was ended. a neat idea. That, that was a cool idea. That was a neat idea. Why'd they kill it? Uh, it couldn't have cost anything. Equity. That was when the Davis family owned it when the <laughs> uh, the guys out east uh, changed that when they bought they it. They don't know about lakes. Apollo Management, I think yeah. it is. Yeah. Plane one. Yeah. Right. Plane two. <laughs> yep. Solid plane. You know, five flew a Minnetonka. Yeah, uh, Superior Isles. Yeah, it was great. Superior? Did you get on Superior? I think ones? I had a Superior flight. White I had bear. a question that it was asked in my home. At what point? Let's say you know you're traveling either with your family or by yourself during this week. At what point do you just say to hell with it, rent a car and just drive home? Because for me, it would have been Christmas, you know, night. Hey, you're not going to get back till tomorrow. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll spend the night, and then next morning, yep, your flight's canceling. Okay, to hell with it. I'm renting a car. I'll figure out my flight reimbursement later, and I'm driving home. Well, if you're flying to Tampa, that's quite a haul. Or don't well, as opposed to shacking up at the airport for three days. Hop on the the Jeff, <laughs> the party bus. But you guys would seriously <laughs> yeah. just wait it out. Hop on mega, I, I would not mega bus for a buck. I've, I've told you he'd be on mega bus so fast <laughs> it's only a dollar. I told you, I'm making it a goal not to get into this situation. No way. But I'm saying really if you were carefully think it out. If you were, I'm not that. going to. Okay. Thanks for playing along. And uh, well, to play to play along with you, yes, I'd run a car. Okay. Yeah. After two days. I have if, after ten minutes. I was going to okay. say one hour. One hour? Are you kidding me? I'm not waiting two I'm days. Not gonna, I'm not going to drive. But sir, here at Budget Air, that's I, not just that wait bad. It out. Twenty-four hours. Bing, Go to the bang, bar, bang. hang out, get the hotel. No, mm, can't even do that anymore. Yeah, I was going to say it wouldn't do us any good. Just don't get hammered. Or I'll pull you off the aircraft. Right. Buffalo set to emerge from the deep freeze today, bringing some relief, but also the possibility of finding more victims, according to officials. Amid the melting snow from the deadliest storm in decades, officials said more than 30 people so far have been reported to have died because of the blizzard that raged Friday and Saturday in western New York. Temps were expected to rise into the mid-40s today and the low 50s by Friday. With enough snow still on the ground, the driving is still banned in New York's second most populous city. Officials worked to clear storm drains and watched a forecast that called for some rain later this week. Officials in Erie County, which encompasses Buffalo, said Tuesday they were concerned about the possibility of flooding. The Weather Service, though, said that any flooding is expected to be of the minor or nuisance variety. Investors are worried about Tesla. The company's stock sell-off intensified yesterday, with the stock closing down 11%. Elon Musk's electric car company is days away from closing out its worst month, quarter, and year on record. The latest drop comes after the Wall Street Journal reported that Tesla will continue a week-long production halt of its Shanghai facility, facing a fresh onslaught of COVID cases within the workforce. Tesla's shares have fallen 73% since November, since November of 2021. The stock is down 69% in 2022. Musk has said the drop is in line with other car companies, but financial advisors point out that's not true. Among major car makers, Ford down 45%, General Motors 43. As of mid-morning today, Tesla stock sat at 113. 
Several weeks ago, experts were saying it would enter dangerous territory if it ever fell below 150. Since then, it's continued to fall. You know what it feels like? What's that, Joe? It feels like you're alone in a world of incompetence. Not that individuals necessarily are, are incompetent, but that systems have been put together that inevitably result in them being in, incompetent and inefficient. Department of Motor Vehicles, uh, Southwest Airlines, uh, the Department of Education, uh, Internal Revenue Service, on and on and on and on. And it's not because individual souls are, are bad or they're, they're incompetent. It's because the... The, the system in place lends itself to an absence of personal responsibility. And the added mm. increase of the reliance upon technology. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I was just thinking, I, I mailed in my uh, a check to get the license tabs for one of my cars. And, and I got a letter back that said, you didn't include your insurance information. That seems unlikely to me. That seems like something I would have done. Right. But apparently I didn't. So I just wrote down the insurance, and it said, "Will your check will be good for 60 days or whatever. Okay. So I did what I thought I should do. I wrote down all the insurance information on the very letter that they sent me, put that in an envelope. Saving paper. Addressed it back to them. I haven't heard a word. And that's, that's a month ago. I haven't gotten the tabs just, for that car. Just think how much time you'd have saved, and you'd already had the tabs for three weeks if you'd have done it online. Don't, I don't want to like do it I, online. Like I did. Yeah, or I in, or in person. Online. Well, that car can't be driven till May anyway, so what the hell. The health of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. He's got time. Not screwed up. He's got Not time. messed up. <laughs> yeah. Not messed health up. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI has worsened in the last few hours, according to a Vatican official. The comments this morning came after Pope Francis asked for prayers in his morning audience for Benedict. Benedict is 95 years old. Francis visited his predecessor, who resigned in 2013 later in the day. The Vatican last released video footage of Benedict in August when the newest cardinals visited him with, uh, as part of a tradition that's been ongoing since Francis became Pope. Benedict's condition reportedly had worsened in the days before Christmas, according to the Italian news agency ANSA, which cited qualified sources. ANSA reported Benedict had begun to suffer from respiratory problems in the days before the holiday. He's 95. 95, yeah. Mm -hmm. He it's did look run. very good. The video that we've seen lately. He, did, he was he the fancy pope, good. wasn't he? Uh, he was very fancy. He had yeah. fancy shoes yep. and whatnot. But 95 is a heck of a run. It's a good run. It's a good run. A weird side note to Russia's war in Ukraine, Russian soldiers called up to fight in Ukraine will have the chance to store frozen sperm in a cryobank for free, according to a leading Russian lawyer. Oh, oh, who, oh who gets to keep Hang the tight. stuff? The, the soldiers who are heading out oh, to I fight. See. One there unlucky guy. Right. I Here see. you go. Your turn, Jim. <laughs> Here you go, Fred. Russian Union of Lawyers had Igor Trunov told state oh. news. You don't hear the name Igor much anymore, do you? No, you do it in the commie land. Right. <laughs> Igor Trunov told state news agencies ta uh, TASS the health ministry had responded to his appeal for a free cryobank and changes to compulsory uh, compulsory medical insurance. Russia mobilized 300,000 reservists after a string of setbacks in Ukraine. Men then began approaching clinics to have their sperm frozen. Mr. Trunov announced on Twitter that his union was applying on behalf of several couples where the husband had been called up to take part in the special military operation. That's what they're calling it. They don't call it a war. They call it the oh, SBO. It's a special military operation. Yeah. The in health my ministry. life, I've only been sure of one thing. 
I was going to do that again. Health Ministries yet to comment on Mr. Trudeau's remarks. The lawyer told the BBC his union would have to follow up with the department on what procedure there would be. Uh, this uh, story uh, strikes close to home for me. I'm sure it will for some people. Uh, PayPal, Venmo, and other cash app users who depend on digital payment platforms can breathe a temporary sigh of relief. Mm -hmm. The IRS, as of last year, said that you would now be taxed on anything over $600 that goes into those. Mm -hmm. uh, but now they've changed that because everybody complained. So now it'll go back to $20,000, but only for one year. Now they're saying next year we'll still have to pay uh, taxes on the over $600. Uh, wait, stop. Yes, sir. Explain that to me. I will. Uh, for instance, uh, as you, you guys know, let's I'd, say you owe me some money. I'm uh, okay. No, let's not. Let's do this. I'll All right. explain it to you where it makes sense. I am liquidating, of course, uh, as you know, my CD stock. Right. All right. I'm I'm selling my CDs. In other words, on on eBay, I get paid by PayPal, uh, not by PayPal to PayPal. People buy my CDs, pay my PayPal account. Under the new revisions, anything over $600 that I made would have been taxed, and I would have been taxed as a business. You'd have to count that as a business. You get a 1099K, which uh -huh. means you have to pay 15% off the top because allegedly you're paying employees, but I don't have employees. What a bunch of me. BS. 41, 42, yeah. 43, 44, yeah. 45. I was yeah. counting how many seconds until we lost him. <laughs> so no. for this year, it'll go back up to 20000 so I, if you earn over twenty thousand, you'll get taxed for anything over twenty thousand. But next year, uh, they'll do what they said they were going to do about this year: anything over six hundred. Uh, this year, I've made over six hundred selling CDs, so I would have had to pay tax. But it's not a business; it's me spending three minutes at my computer. So if I if I'm office. a guy with a couple of bushel baskets full of golf balls. Yes, and sir. I sit in my garage near the Highland Golf Course, oh. and the golfers get wind of me, and they come over and buy these used balls that I found, and I yep. make uh, I make fifteen hundred bucks one summer. Yep. Uh, no Venmo, no uh, scratch pad, or whatever the hell these things are called. Scratch, scratch pad. Uh, <laughs> that's the latest. That's the I latest like one. That. Scratch pad. Yeah. Uh, that's just fifteen hundred in my pocket. The IRS never gets wind of that. As long as they're they're paying you cash, right? Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Then then it won't matter. But yeah. if they if they're paying you through PayPal, then the uh, uh, PayPal would have had to send you a 1099K for the 900 bucks you were over 600. Get it? And then you'd be taxed. I, I on do the get it. And I, 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 Joe, this is an area. I being, disagree. Being serious, I agree I with you. I disagree too. I, I am very savvy when it comes to paying online, whatever. I refuse to use Venmo and PayPal. I would never touch it. I, they're evil, evil operations. <laughs> They're not evil. They're handy they, as Simon hell. Barr Sinister? Nope, I'm telling you. They're, they're, you should not have those on your phone. I'm just saying. I don't. Good. I do. Or TikTok. I, well, I have PayPal. I don't have Venmo. And I have my Venmo. Uh, my I golf have ball sales will open again in April. Okay, good. All right. Get ahead make sure of you, Cash only, right? He'll be sitting on the fourth hole right over there on Edgecombe <laughs> Road. <laughs> uh, a bit of a uh, weird story from Maryland. A 19-year-old man is in custody after... I'm kind of glad Kenny's not here for this one. A 19-year-old man is in custody after spraying some sort of lotion on women inside stores in Gambrills, Maryland, huh. touching some of the victims and trying to flee from police at the same time. Hmm. He is 19-year-old Jameer Madden. He was arrested, according to county police. Police said Madden sprayed some sort of lotion on as many as eight women in the Target store at the Wa Chapel Town Center 
a nearby Petco store, and at the Safeway at the nearby village in Wah Chapel. Police told a local news channel the suspect also had touched the women's buttocks. Hmm. A suspect and vehicle description were broadcast to officers. Police said officers spotted Madden trying to stop him, but he drove toward officers before fleeing. Police said the suspect's vehicle, uh, vehicle got stuck in a ditch. At that point, he was taken into custody. He is charged with two counts of fourth-degree sex offense, eight counts of second-degree assault, two counts of first-degree assault, and uh, it's not immediately known what was in the lotion. The substance will be tested, according to police. South Korea has formally lifted a ban on the import of full-body sex dolls, ending years Thank of Thank God. <laughs> so you can get them again? Yours, yes. This Good. ends years of They've debate. They've been hard to get lately. They have. <laughs> over how much the government can interfere in private life. Although there are no laws or regulations in South Korea banning the import of sex dolls, hundreds and perhaps thousands have been seized by the customs, which cited a clause in the law that bans the import of goods that, quote, harm the country's beautiful traditions and public morals. Huh. Importer... Importers complained and took their case to the courts, most of which agreed with them, and ordered customs to release the sex dolls, saying they are used in people's private spaces and do not undermine human dignity. On Monday of this week, the Korea Customs Service said in a statement it began enforcing a revised guideline for import of life-sized adult sex dolls, said it reviewed recent court rulings and opinions from relevant government agencies, including the Ministry of Gender Equality and Family. Sure. Have that also in South. Speaking of that, yeah, go ahead. Do you know electric vehicles are racist? No, what? I have found that they don't well, like black people. Get or the Asians. get the dictionary on your computer. I All want right. you to look up a word. All right, right. I'm on it right now. Rapporteur. Right. I don't know what that How means. R A P P. Yep. O R. Yep. T E. Yep. U R. When a when a young musician goes across the country to play music. Rapporteur. What is it? Rapporteur. A right. person appointed by an organization to report on the proceedings of its meetings. Rapporteur. Uh, all right. Ooh. United Nations Rapporteur Tendai Achiumi hmm. says that any reliance on a global capitalist framework to solve climate change perpetuates racism. This was a piece in the UK Guardian. Wow. Achiyumi's main concern is that the procurements of materials and minerals used for renewable energy comes at the expense of racially and ethnically marginalized groups and indigenous peoples. In her final report as an outgoing UN official, Achiyumi wrote the global ecological ecological crisis is simultaneously a racial justice crisis with the effects of pollution, biodiversity loss, and climate change affecting marginalized groups. Mm. Well, lady, it's because China owns most of the mines in Africa where a lot of the mining is done for the precious metals that are needed for these phony car batteries, and they're using kids to do the work. So your bitch is with China, not me. Got it. Therefore, according to the U.N. official, not only are the outcomes of climate change negatively impacting marginalized people, but so are ecological problems as a whole. And uh, as well, these populations are being pushed, I'm sorry, these populations are being damaged by the push toward green energy. Isn't that the ultimate windmilling? Yes. (laughs) We want renewable clean energy, but not if it has anything to do with capitalism. Right. right. (laughs) How are you going to get it? 
uh, the same structures responsible for the racial inequalities are doubling down on racial inequality and injustice. According to the activists, governing bodies are not accounting for the environmental impact of electric vehicles and where the minerals and all the materials that are required to produce electric vehicles are coming from. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, uh, I can't take it. I, uh, be- uh, everything I look at. Everything I look at. Bef- before you go to... Before you go to break, Joe, I uh, forgot the story about Chris's girlfriend. We should probably do that. Huh? Can okay. I do a follow-up to the EV story very quickly, John? Because this was sure. submitted by a couple of GLers, Joe. This is from uh, your favorite publication, the Wall Street Journal, uh, by an author by the name of Brian Gitt, G-I-T-T? I don't know. Okay. Gitt. Uh, cold weather reduces EV range and increases charging times. Mm-hmm. Range drops by... 54% at 5 wow. degrees Fahrenheit, and it can take three times longer to charge the car. Fear of getting stranded in cold weather is a real concern for no EV kidding. buyers. Uh, EV buyers who drive in colder climates should strongly consider getting a car with a range about double what their daily driving needs are so they're not left stranded in a cold snap. Uh, that's according to Jake Fisher, Senior Director of Auto Testing at Consumer Reports. Mm. Wow. Uh, yeah, okay, I don't. Uh, they're not the answer. Uh, I, I certainly don't want one. They're government cars. They're government mandated. One of the reasons the Tesla stock is down, by the way, is that consumers are beginning to realize that Tesla is not the only one making electric cars. They're all doing it. Right. They're all got them now because they're afraid of the government. And they're afraid of ESG scores. They're afraid of banks. They're afraid of but activists it, like Gichi Wamagumi here who says that uh, uh, this is, we don't want any capitalists making our electric batteries. But isn't Tesla the best? Not to my way of thinking. I have okay. no idea. I'm not a, I don't own an electric car. Meanwhile, someone has an overhead. Tesla sh- might be the ugliest. It looks like <laughs> a look dolphin. like a dolphin. They look like a dolphin. Someone has a video along the uh, a row of houses along Lake Erie yeah. in which several cars are frozen into the ground. Right. I don't think oh, an EV right. would be able to make her through that. No. I don't think anything no. would. That's a good point. That's I don't a good think point. anything would. Yes, From uh, Pierce, South Dakota, South Dakota Governor Christy Noem got a hot Christmas gift from her staff. They gave her a Pulse Fire LRT flamethrower. Sweet with an engraved plate of the state motto, Under God, the People Rule. A video posted to Twitter on Sunday shows Noam decked out in camouflage using the flamethrower to torch a pile of cardboard boxes on a snowy farm. She shoots a final spray of flames into the boxes, raises her arms with a flourish, and says, Boom! Perfect. According to Tennessee-based ammunitions company Mid-South Shooters, a Pulse Fire LRT, uh, LRT will put you back 650 bucks. Noam spokesperson Ian Fury said no tax dollars went toward the purchase. The gift comes after a photo on Twitter showing Noam holding a flamethrower with the caption, Is it too late to add something to my Christmas list? Went viral in 2020. I have some questions about this. Mm-hmm. What, what, is, what is the source of the flame? Do you put gas in them? It's propane, isn't it? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. I don't want to look it. I'll look it up. Second point I wanted to make is what do you do with them? Rapporteur. Whoops. What do you do with them? <laughs> how do, do you, you I mean, you would scorch you? your driveway, wouldn't you? We'd get rid of the hump. <laughs> well, here's why I ask. I happened to ironically get into a conversation with some guys last night about flamethrowers. I got your answer. And, really? Uh, really? What's the famous uh, sporting goods store in Walker, Minnesota? 
Oh. Skills? No. Shoot. You mean shields? No. Shields? Uh, whatever. They sell pallets of those every year. Just, Are you talking like a Bass Pro Shop or something? Yeah, but it's got its own name. Cabela's? No. Oh. Uh, they sell they they sell as many as they can get in stock. Hmm. Who, really? What do you do with them? The flamethrower well, is brought into standby by opening the ignition valve that delivers butane to the tip of the butane. gun, right. housing butane. and lighting it with the help of the ignition system. This creates a small flame that remains lit as long as it is supplied with <laughs> gas from the pressurized gas tank. That, according to HowStuffWorks.com. There was a great use of a flamethrower. Leech Lake Distributors? It, no. Reeds? Uh, Reeds. Okay. Reeds. 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 There was a great uh, Reed's a hell of a story. You ever been Reed's? No, I've no. never been. Ooh, boy, no. can you get stuff? Oh boy, uh, they have one near Bay Lake too. There's two Reed's that I know of. In any event, where was I? Reed's. 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 Uh, no. Walker uh, flamethrower. How does it work? Where does it go? What do you need argue, it for? You were arguing or debating uh, flamethrowers last night or the other night. Uh, oh, I guess, I guess if you need uh, the reason you get one is because you need one. Mm-hmm. But you and when you say why do you need one, people say, "Well, what are you nuts? You need one." There's a guy of a flamethrower. There's a oh, great, I know what I was going to say. Here we go. There was a great use yeah. of flamethrowers in the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, wasn't that used as a murder weapon? Huh? Or didn't you see that? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, yeah. At I the end of the movie. It. At the end, doesn't he fry the guy in the pool? He, he fries the Manson family member. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah. He, he melts him, remember? Yeah. Oh, it was a wonderful scene. <laughs> ah, he liquidated her. Yeah. There was a, a great video of a guy clearing his driveway using a flamethrower. That was a couple years but old. But don't you scorch your driveway? I would think so. There's yeah. a, uh, there is an article uh, from CNN Money says, what would you use a flamethrower for? Uh, firefighters use them, strangely enough, uh, because they can move the fire, back burning. Yeah, uh, so that makes sense. That. Yeah. Uh, also, terra torches can be used to clear land for crops if you're a farmer. Yeah, I get uh, that. The, gov- the government uses them to burn out overgrowth to create habitats for animals. Uh, and then the other ones. Uh, World War II, well, they were big, weren't they? I don't know. And one, yeah, one and two. In fact, the top one here is war, the top reason. Uh, number four is fun. I, I suppose just to have it. Burn cardboard boxes, whatever. I guess. But I recycle in, in, those because I'm conscientious. How about insect hives, burning those? Yeah. But then you burn uh, your house down. Torching driveways and melting ice and snow. Uh, and then the uh, writer of this obviously trying to be very funny. The last reason is zombie apocalypse. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, you got to sure. have a flamethrower for case. that. Yeah. Just well, I, I guess they're out there and they're fun as hell. I just don't. Uh, you can get it. I don't. I guess I just don't need one. I can't think of a reason. Well, why that's I, not the GL attitude. Well, you should. I, want I think one. if you're urban, you shouldn't have one. If you're rural, you can. You yeah. know, start I think, burning stuff. Uh, one of you guys should buy one. That way, I could just borrow it if I yeah. needed it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, take a time out, please. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm rolling. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere. Hi, how are you? Is this Dylan and John? John and Dylan. Yeah, that's me and Dylan. Here we go. Okay. According to a new study... (laughs) 
Because you got to have a study. You have to. <laughs> sure, of course. I kind of like this one. No, I don't like this one. According to a new study conducted by the Libertarian-leaning Committee to Unleash Prosperity, this is... <laughs> well, that's a heck of a committee. This is from uh, Alpha News. Now, a shame on Alpha News. Do they say a liberal-leaning committee when they do stuff? They're, they're, they surprise me here by pointing out that this is a Libertarian-leaning committee. Minnesota ranks among the worst states in the union when it comes to government benefits, disincentivizing people to work. Welfare pays more than or nearly as much as respectable middle-class jobs. Steve Moore, Casey Mulligan, and E.J. Antoni wrote in a New York Post opinion piece last week. That might explain why so many businesses can't get workers back on the job almost three years after COVID-19. Moore is the founder of the Club for Growth and a former member of the Wall Street Journal editorial board. Mulligan is a professor of economics at the University of Chicago. And Tony works as a research fellow for the D.C.-based Heritage Foundation. So these are three pretty much crackerjack guys. Mm-hmm. They authored a study called Paying Americans Not to Work that calculates the monetary value of subsidies related to the Affordable Care Act, unemployment insurance, child tax credits, and food stamps. Taken collectively, the study purports to show that government assistance is now having a negative impact on American people. Those temporary COVID benefits have expired, but this study finds that even with existing unemployment benefits and the dramatic recent expansion of Obamacare subsidies, a spouse would have to earn more than 80 grand a year for a, from a 40-hour-a-week job to have the same after-tax income as families with two unemployed spouses receiving government benefits. Wow. Isn't that something? In these states, working 40 hours a week and earning 20 bucks an hour would mean a slight reduction in income compared to two parents receiving unemployment benefits and health care subsidies. And believe me, I bet there are people out there who've figured this out. Oh, of course They've there is. crunched the numbers. In 24 states, unemployment benefits and Obamacare subsidies for a family of four with both parents not working are the annualized equivalent of at least the national median household income, the authors conclude. According to the TRIO's findings, Minnesota ranks fourth in the U.S. when it comes to doling out benefits in relation to annual salary. On a chart in the report, Minnesota is behind just New Jersey, Massachusetts, and Washington with $98,915 in earned income equivalent for unemployed couples with independents. It's, it's laughable... But at the same time, it tells you exactly why we're in the trouble that we are, in a nutshell. Minnesota is also fourth in the nation when it comes to benefits paid out to two unemployed parents with two dependent children, with $92,344 in earned income equivalent. The expansion of the welfare state has created situations where work often just doesn't pay. The study's co-authors argued in New York. Until the unemployment runs out, there is very little incentive to go back to work, especially when the family is receiving more than their blue-collar counterparts who are on the job. It's amazing. Well, and I believe the Increased Minimum Wage Act is set to take place. uh, First of the year. Correct. And someone had said, 
Well, that's great, but we, even with the increased minimum wage, we're still not going to be able to attract people to these jobs anyway because of this very thing you're talking about. Only. It's a hell of a depressing show we've had. Today. It really has been. <laughs> it's just been terrible. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're in trouble. We're in serious trouble, Joe. Only because they come to us all the way from Marloth Park in Umpumalanga, South Africa, from the traveling Lymans at WorldwideWaftage.com. And don't I wish I was there. Oh, I bet it's lovely right now. <laughs> On this date in 1846. December 28th. The state of Iowa was admitted to the Union. Iowa Territory had extended north into what would become western Minnesota and this area is without a formal government until Minnesota Territory is created in 1849. Wow. And on this day, December 28th, in 1909, W.E. Pussyfoot Johnson, who had the authority to enforce federal liquor laws on Native American reservations, led a raid on the saloons of Park Rapids, which were illegally serving residents of the White Earth Reservation of Ojibwe considered wards of the state and protected by an 1855 treaty. Johnson and a trainload of U.S. Marshals gathered all the bottles they could find and demolished them on Main Street. Don't you mean wow. Sloon? Sloon. Yes. Sloon. Yep. So that was W.E. Pussyfoot Johnson. He ruined ah. all the liquor in Park Rapids, Minnesota on this day in 1909. He raided a Sloon. Got into the saloon there. Mm. Okay. Thank you, GLers. Yes. Don't forget, if you haven't done so yet, sign up at garagelogic.com and be eligible to join us for the celebration of the 1000th podcast. You got to sign up or you're not getting in. Garagelogic.com. And there you can also sign up for the Garage Logic Town Council. You can give it as a gift. How about a late Christmas gift of Garage Logic to someone in your life? Follow us on all of our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to the Garage Logic YouTube page, because there we are posting daily content for your amusement. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread Packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.